0: Hello, and thanks so much for listening. This is Embodied Astrology, and this is Renee. For the next hour or so, I'll be talking with you about the full moon on October 24th, 2018, and the full moon cycle that extends through November 7th, 2018. Before I get into the astrology, I want to say thank you so much for listening. Embodied Astrology is an ongoing project that I love dearly, It's a combination of my interests. I'm a somatic movement educator. I've been a yoga teacher for 15 years. I love thinking about the stars and the planets in relationship to Earth and to our bodies. And the way that I approach astrology is as a method for storytelling and contextualizing our experience here as embodied beings experiencing the movement of the sun and the moon and the light and the stars and the planets. So as you listen, I'll be talking about what I see in the full moon chart and how this relates to experiences uh, globally, politically, personally, and uh, theorizing a little bit on my um, ideas of how to work with this energy um, personally and also collectively. If you enjoy Embodied Astrology and want to support it, please consider becoming a monthly member or subscriber. Um, You can subscribe, that means donate, at any amount uh, at embodiedastrology.com. Just click the donate button. I'm offering free gifts to all monthly subscribers and these gifts are monthly planners. They go through the season month. So there's a new one that's just been released on Scorpio season, and this is a a 30-day planner that considers the light of Scorpio season, the lunar light, the lunar phases, as well as the planetary light and the aspects that they're making. Um, So throughout the month, I'm giving uh, suggestions and offering astrological insight for how to work with the energy and and plan uh, your life and and think about everything that's going on. You can also just purchase this journal, um, a one-time purchase fee at Embodied Astrology And if you want to donate any amount one time, recurring monthly donation, I really, really uh, appreciate your support. It means so much to me. Uh, For those of you that finances are not an option to be sharing right now, I also really appreciate you sharing this work, um, emailing it, forwarding it, uh, commenting, um, clicking like, clicking the hearts, all that uh, really helps me out and helps share this work. So thank you for your support. Okay, so, um, gosh, this is a, a full moon that's a pretty powerful full moon and um, I know that a lot of people follow a lot of astrologers so it's a a burgeoning field right now and there's a lot of excitement for astrology and a lot of people talking about it so you may have already heard that this full moon is a powerful full moon because it is conjunct the planet Uranus in the sign Taurus and this is um, interesting and important because Uranus is uh, kind of in the process of entering Taurus and beginning um, a seven to eight year long cycle where it will transit through that sign. And wherever Uranus is, it brings awakening, it brings liberation, it brings uh, movement to things that are stuck. And so the full moon being conjunct this planet, illuminating this planet, is uh, bringing our attention to the ways that this transit is going to behave and what it's going to ask for us um, in in the next seven to eight years, as well as the, the challenges and the opportunities that it will bring. I was um, kind of compelled to look back at the Taurus new moon astrology Um, this morning. I was thinking about the way that new moons and full moons work with each other. And I had completely forgotten that the Taurus new moon this year, which was May 15th, occurred on the same day that Uranus actually made its first ingress into Taurus. And it also occurred as Mars was entering Aquarius. And over the the last number of months, we have uh, been experiencing Mars in Aquarius and a little tiny little bit in Capricorn. It went through a, a retrograde that brought it back into that sign for a moment. Um, But at this full moon, there's a a period of culmination and reflection, because we've had the last six months to uh, start to work with Uranus and Taurus energy. And a lot of folks are feeling pretty big changes coming into their lives. Um, a number of you, these changes are already taking place. For a lot of us, we're feeling the, the changes um, kind of beginning to apply themselves. There's a, there's a feeling of mounting pressure um, that I think a lot of people are experiencing in different areas of their life. But as I said, Uranus brings freedom, it brings liberation, it brings the need for change. And as it moves into Taurus, it's moving into an energy, this is Taurus, that rules bodies and materiality in general. So Taurus is uh, the most earthly of the earth signs. It is the middle of a season, it is fixed earth. And you can think of this kind of earth as the, the nature of the earth's fertility, the way that the earth constantly grows and regenerates. Um, the creativity of the earth, the the heat or the molten core at the center of our planet that spreads and infuses all the soil. And uh, we have this kind of magical constant becoming that is earth, that is a a constant forming and reforming of substances and materials and molecules. And um, this earthly plane that we live on, the material plane, is so fascinating and magical in that so many things can exist and can form, and um, I'm not someone who's super into quantum physics and string theory. I bet a bunch of you who listen are, and you know a lot more than me. Um, but I think probably a lot of us are familiar with this idea that most of reality is empty space, you know. And and when you hear about dark matter or um, kind of if you've been familiar with like a Buddhist concept of emptiness, that pretty much everything is inherently empty. And this is being proven by science now that most of of what the material realm is, is empty or it's mysterious. We don't actually know. But the material of uh, this realm, all of the substances, including words and thoughts and uh, constructions of our mind, as well as, you know, books and chairs and cars and mountains and whatever objects um, we're kind of experiencing through the physicality of the the plane. Um, All of this is in a constant state of flux. It's in a constant state of interrelationship. And so we have um, forces that are stabilizing and grounding and they want to form and hold a shape. And then we have forces that are mobilizing and changing and they um, transform shapes, whether this is through temperature or speed or something like this. And then we have moments of balance where a shape exists and it seems to be doing all right as that shape. And that moment exists for a moment and then balance shifts and the shape begins to break down. And so the moment of balance may last uh, your lifetime, The, the moment of your lifetime where your body is an idea that is in balance, it holds its form. Or the moment of balance might uh, exist for literally just a moment. Maybe you're doing a, a yoga pose and you find uh, balance just for a second and it goes away. Or it might be eons. You know There might be the, the moment of a mountain forming and uh, reaching its, its magnificence and its full growth. And then we have the plates of the earth shifting and the mountain being worn down by wind and water, and off we go changing again. So Taurus is the way that materials form and hold shape. You can think of this energy as that. And when I'm talking about the science, it's important for me to state that I'm not really talking about the people who are born in these seasons, like Taurus sun people represent all bodies, no. Um, Everybody has Taurus in their chart. Everybody is living in the physical realm in an embodied existence. If you're listening to this podcast, you have ears to listen with. And um, therefore, we're all working with Taurus as an energy. And so, if you're curious about where it shows up personally for you, then you want to look at your astrology chart. And whatever your rising sign is will dictate what area of life Taurus then rules. Um, and so you can get more information on what kinds of bodies or materials are going to be changing for you. But as Uranus moves into Taurus, and uh, this is happening slowly, so last uh, this past May, May of 2018, at the Taurus new moon, Uranus made its first ingress into Taurus. That means it entered the sign. And then in August, uh, Uranus turns retrograde. And now it is um, just very close, just moments away, arc moments away from re-entering the previous sign, which is Aries. And there it will stay um, it, until the spring, until um, March or April. I'm kind of blinking on the exact date right now. But the movement back into Aries is a revisitation. It's a reflection on the last seven to eight years when uh, Uranus made this transit. And it's just moving back into the last couple of degrees to the 28th degree of Aries. And the other times that it was at this degree um, were this past spring, uh, April through June of 2018. And then um, last summer, So the the summer of uh, 2017. And if you think back to what was going on this past spring or what was going on in the summer of 2017, you may get more information about what's coming up in these next couple of months. Because Uranus is ready to to start to make changes, to bring these changes into our lives. But there are certain things that um, need to be dislodged or disrupted before those changes can occur. And so in this full moon, we have a reflection on that kind of area of tension. I got to change. Changes are happening. You know, whether or not I like it, changes are coming. What kind of changes will they be? We don't know yet. We actually don't know yet. And over the course of the next few months, we're going to get more information as Uranus moves back Uh, into these degree points. And in December and January, it'll be transiting at these degree points. And so Aries as an energy rules the head, it rules the ego, it rules um, kind of concepts of individuality. And you can understand how this comes before Taurus. Taurus rules bodies, it rules formation, it rules stability. In order for materials to collect, there needs to be something that organizes that collecting. And that's what Aries is. It's the idea of the thing. So when I say ego and you go, my name is such and such, this is the idea of you, that the materials of your body are forming around, that you then eat to sustain, that you collect experiences, that you collect resources in order to sustain this idea, to perpetuate, to continue forward in this realm. So as Uranus moves back into Aries, it's revisiting some kind of ego construct. It is asking all of us to free ourselves from outdated notions of ego and identity. And it is uh, kind of forcing us to look at the ways that we accumulate and what we're, we're trying to build. Because then Uranus is going to turn direct and in the spring, it'll, it'll move back into Taurus and then it'll spend seven years there uh, in, in kind of full Taurus energy before it starts to make the next long transition into Gemini. But for the next seven years, then we're going to be dealing with Uranus in Taurus. So we have the energy of innovation and experimentation and disruption and revolution in the sign of materials and bodies. And that means that for all of us, our structures are changing. And again, it it depends a little bit on where Taurus energy um, comes through in your chart, how you might be changing, how your physical body might be changing, how your relationship to materials, to your wealth, to your food, to your home, to your possessions, etc., how these might be changing. Um, Taurus is, is the ruler of land and it's the ruler of resources. And so all of us are going to go through something, uh, with our possessions and with our, um, access to, to resource and Uranian energy innovates, right. And it liberates. And so what I want to say is that the old constructs that we have around these issues, um, need to, to fall away now. And so when I'm saying, okay, there's going to be disruption in um, resources and you get freaked out and you're like, oh my God, am I going to lose my money? Like if that's a thing that's coming up, then pay attention to that because th- this is part of the transition process that we're going through, I think, is we have to reinvent our relationship to resources and to resourcefulness and to wealth and to our bodies and to the ways that we accumulate and consume. These are all very Taurus issues. So at this full moon, we have this really powerful full moon that is illuminating. It's reflect. It's a reflection on these changes. And What a better time, what better time is there to be reflecting, you know, we've got um, just cycle after cycle in the news that we're recognizing, I think, hopefully we're recognizing that the way that resources have been allotted and are being accumulated and are being distributed is completely uh, ass-backwards. And this kind of top-down hierarchy that is happening <laughs> in the global sphere, where uh, a very few people have all of the power, have really consolidated all of the wealth and all of the resource. And then we have major wars Um, really intense migration patterns that are happening, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people being forced um, out of their homes and into the unknown, right? We've got chaos in the bodies and and land that's shifting. And this is due to uh, improper use of resources, right? That maybe on some level, climate change is inevitable uh, because the earth is is always changing. Um, But it is largely... Human influenced, and the ways that we're using our resources uh, don't accommodate the natural change of the Earth, and they exacerbate a lot of problems. And so, people are being forced from their lands. They can't grow their food. They can't have access to wealth. They are not getting jobs, etc. War, right? The the folks in power, whether this is uh, arms manufacturers and guns dealers, or whether it's about oil or um, whatever else it is, you know, it seems like those are two of the the really big players right now, uh, fossil fuels and weapons, Um, that there's a ton of war stimulating economies around fossil fuels and weapons. And this big moneymaker for the people who are on the benefiting end. And it's hugely catastrophic for the millions of people who are on the losing end, who are being exploited, who are being killed, who are being bombed, etc. So we really need to to reframe, to shift our value structures. And how does this happen if it doesn't happen in a revolution? It's really the only way. Um, You know, we can kind of scratch our heads for a while and try and figure out how to change the system and how to make it work. But the system itself has been created by the people uh, that it serves and who get to maintain power in it um and aquarius and uranus sorry i jumped to another sign but uh uranus is the ruler of aquarius i'll talk about that in a second uranian energy is about the people and it's an awakening and it's recognizing where we have power and how to take our power back so my hope is that in the next 7 years this is really um continuing to be a momentum that's rippling through all of us and i think that it already is very momentous and um Happening everywhere, so not to to discount how long it's been happening. That <laughs> there have been revolutions and uprisings and people seeking to claim power. But I hope to see this really spread in a global sense and actually see it shift um, and topple the power structures that are at play right now. This is like pretty bombastic language, and and um, you know I don't know if if there's really any other way to say it. At, at this moment, we're not um, working in a system that functions very well for anybody. It doesn't function well for the Earth. And um, the next seven years, as Uranus moves into Taurus, this is what we're going to see. And the the crises that we're facing here in our bodies with our resources with the Earth, they're going to get bigger, and we are going to be forced to change. So hopefully, we can change through consciousness shifting, awakening, realigning our values, um, and not through... Uh, intense uh, or more intense suffering but um, let's talk about that a little bit more so um, one of the the things that I was referencing just a moment ago with Aquarius is really coming to mind right now as I'm looking at this chart and Mars is in Aquarius it doesn't really figure in so much to the full moon aspects but it's interesting that the last new moon which would make this full moon um, uh, a moment of revelation for a cycle that began in May um that 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 moment also included the entry of mars into aquarius and mars is maleness right it's it's not men it is maleness that exists in all of us, and it is masculinity. It's yang. It is the energy that seeks to conquer, to dominate, to assert. To it's desirous. It's like I want that. I'm going to get it. I'm going to take it. Um, th- that energy is very much celebrated in people who are born with penises, and uh, kind of diminished or, or suppressed in people who are born without penises. But it's not um, reg- You know, it doesn't happen more in one or the other. It's like everybody has this energy. So Mars is that energy. And in many ways, this energy, as I said, is is supported and celebrated in people who have penises. And all of this past year, these issues have been coming up, um, whether it's through the Me Too um, exposures or whether it's through these displays of power that we're seeing kind of happen um, in gender roles or whether it is um, what's happening currently with uh, the Trump administration trying to erase trans people, um, that there's kind of this underlying uh, binary supremacy, which then means a male supremacy. So men are the dominant gender in the mind state that we've been living in, that we're all affected by. And The reason why this is coming up for me so much is because I'm thinking about like, well, how do we topple these structures? How do we topple these systems of control that really are so deeply embedded and ingrained in our bodies? And... For me, from my perspective, I'm kind of like, okay, well, it seems like aggression and masculinity are a, a driving force in the world. And I think plenty of you will agree with me on this that um, male supremacy and the need to dominate in terms of male leaders and leadership and how this has functioned um, for, you know, the last however long thousands of years in most cultures, um, that this you know, underlies war, it underlies capitalism, it underlies um, competition between people It's a very masculine centered way of living. How do we upset that? How do we disrupt that? I don't know. But I was having a really interesting conversation with a new friend the other day. And this is a, a straight white guy who is really seeking to kind of unpack his own privilege and figure out how to be an ally and um, a healer in the world. And as we were talking, we, we were kind of discussing the trauma that must exist in the bodies of people who perpetuate violence. So someone who's a rapist, um, they themselves must carry so much trauma in their bodies, that that would be a way that they would behave to inflict this kind of pain and suffering on another person. Like, what what suffering that must be for for this person to feel that kind of violence arise within them or that kind of toxicity And uh, my friend pointed out that the most commonly performed surgery in the United States and I believe this might be true for the entire Western world is circumcision and he was saying you know um, it's it's really amazing to think that for most men in this country their first sexual experience, is having their little penis stimulated by a nurse. And they you know, they get a hard-on, and then the most sensitive part of their body is cut off. Oftentimes without anesthetic, because there's still this kind of barbaric idea that babies can't feel pain. And he was citing a, a study, and I don't know what it was, some research that was showing um, that baby boys respond to their mothers remarkably differently um, before and after circumcision. That before uh, the surgery takes place or this mutilation takes place, there's a lot more affection, there's trust, there's bond, and that post-circumcision, there's more distrust and more distress. Not surprising right? that 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 would occur um, to have the most sensitive part of your body Uh, violated and and cut off from you, that that would create an extreme uh, chasm in one's perspective of safety and trust. So this image has been lingering with me. And I'm not saying that circumcision is the reason why men are violent, because uncircumcised men are too, um, and male supremacy extends past the surgery. But it is something to, to think about. That underlying all of these systems of control and dominance and supremacy um, there's some kind of massive pit of pain and whatever that pain is whatever that distress is has to be looked at it has to be understood it has to be acknowledged and it has to get resolved and considering what a full moon is that a full moon is an opposition of the sun and the moon Um, this makes a lot of of sense with this current lunation. The sun uh, will have just moved into Scorpio at this full moon. So the sun is in opposition to Uranus and the moon. And the sun is in an applying aspect with Venus retrograde. And Venus is the ruler of this full moon, being that it's the ruler of Taurus. So I'm going to get to to that in a minute. Um, Wherever the sun is, our consciousness is here. And the sun entering Scorpio is consciousness that um, includes everything that has been dredged up and dug up over the last year with Jupiter and Scorpio. We're ending that cycle next month, Jupiter will move into Sagittarius. And so as we're culminating that cycle, I think everybody's mind and consciousness is really saturated with shadow. And shadow is the stuff that We turn away from it, but we also forget it. We don't remember it. We don't know that it exists. Scorpio as an energy that we're all working with is inheritance and debt. It's one of the things that Scorpio represents. And inheritance and debt are emotional. Yes, sometimes they involve resources, but primarily this is an emotional thing. You know that you are given an inheritance, you are given a debt. If you get an inheritance, it's usually not free and clear of any obligations or attachments or assumptions about who you're going to be or what you're going to do with that. If you're given a debt, obviously you're saddled with quite a bit of obligation and entanglement. So thinking about uh, these inherited wounds and the structure of suffering that we're all kind of existing in and can't help but really play into and perpetuate because this structure is built into the fabric of our lives, right? We have to buy food for our families. So we have to go to the grocery store. So we're supporting Monsanto and Monsanto is raping farmers in India and in the United States. And I mean, it's like so interwoven and complex and disgusting feeling like how do we get out of this? And I don't know that this is an answer, but it's, it's a pondering to go down. These structures have been built on some kind of suffering. And what happens when a being is wounded in a way that they don't understand, right? So if you think about uh, this you know, circumcision or genital mutilation as um, like a symbol, not necessarily as the surgery itself, but as a symbol, this innocent, uh, brand new little being and this kind of crazy pain and uh, separation from the body and from sensuality that occurs. And then this rift that gets developed uh, and reinforced throughout someone's life that men are constantly torn from their sensitivity. They're constantly taken away from their feelings. And, you know, boys are told not to cry, like, you can't play with this doll, you can't show these signs of nurturing or affection, go off and be violent. There, I read some study, again, not remembering what it was, but uh, it, it was talking about how little boys are more emotional than little girls, generally, and have a deeper need for bonding with their mom. And the violence that we do to little boys by telling them they can't be sensitive. And then the violence that we do to men <laughs> telling them that they can't be sensitive, they can't cry, they can't show their feelings, and um, this same new friend was was saying that um, uh, in his experience, um, both males and females appreciated females more as friends. That if you're born as a female um or with a vagina then then you're given opportunities and socialization to help you become empathic to hold space to be a listener to help other people out to work communally this is not to say that women are better at it it's just to say that we're, we're trained so what happens then with these people who've been separated from their bodies, who've been separated from their pleasure, who've been separated from their empathy and their ability to connect and their sensitivity and their feelings. Well, I'd be fucking pissed. I can tell you that. I mean, just thinking about it, just thinking about this state and this rage that I think must exist in so many men, this kind of boiling under the surface rage. That will be completely unplaced and unplaceable because it's originating in a vacuum um, of our system. It's like things that everybody considers normal, you know, that circumcision is like a rite of passage and uh, not not considered by most people, um, at least in the like medical industrial complex to be genital mutilation, which is what it is, or that little boy is being um, encouraged to fight and not to feel. Is actually really fucked up and violent to them as sensitive human beings because that's invisible. It's in the realm of normal. So I imagine that this. Rage of masculinity, you know, the toxin of the toxic masculinity. That, you know, part of how we've got to dismantle these structures and explode them is actually to allow all of us, our, ourselves, to feel into this rage a little bit and to take responsibility for it in whatever ways we can. To recognize uh, how we perpetuate it, how we're complicit in it, how we're affected by it, how it's affected our thinking. And as a queer and as a female person, femme-identified person, um, grappling with this for the, the last couple of weeks has been really interesting because I've been, um, you know, definitely feeling into the way that I polarize with masculinity and with men and um, all the things that, that I think about and the anger that I have and um, how pissed off I feel <laughs> at the power that, that men have and how they exert their power. And it's really easy for me to go down a road that blames them and that doesn't take their humanity into account and that doesn't really um, sit with the pain that it must be to be a man because I I get stuck in seeing their privilege or seeing their power over me or uh, over other people. And I'm bringing this up because um, the the opposition between Uranus and Venus retrograde is an opposition where uh, what part of what's getting illuminated is the the underneath side of things it's like what is in the shadow what is hidden what is unexpressed what is um, in the muck and Scorpio as an energy right this is fixed water it's old 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 fucking feelings these are not, you know, people talk about Scorpio and it's like, oh, they're jealous, they're possessive. It's not really feelings that like come in, in your individual life. Maybe they do, but jealousy and possessiveness, like those are sensations that latch on to insecurity and shame and insecurity and shame have, or fear. These are, have roots that are much deeper than whoever the person is that's inspiring the jealousy the way that Scorpio functions in all of us is through inheritance and debt. It's it's the way that our emotions are formed and formulated and and more deeply entangled um, because of the people that we come through and the systems that we live in and the experiences that we have. They're feelings that are too deep and twisted (laughs) to, to really understand. And the twisted nature of our emotions, right, is, is the thing to look at right now. How do we get so twisted? Um, I'm thinking right now of uh, my my friend and colleague, Michael Stone, who passed away uh, last year in 2017. Um, and, and he would always, Michael was an amazing facilitator of mindfulness. And he would always uh, begin with a variation of um, a, a Zen um, prayer or um, uh, affirmation, I guess. And one of the parts of, of this prayer was, may we be free of our ancient and twisted karma. May all sufferings be free of their ancient and twisted karma. And every time I heard that, and it was followed by, let us awaken, let us awaken. Every time I heard that, I would feel it in the depth of my body, our ancient and twisted karma. We all come in with baggage that precedes us. You know, we come into our inherited baggage. You come into the baggage of your gender, of your race, of your class, of your culture. Um, you come into the baggage of your family biography, whatever you know your great, 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 great grandparents went through and how that affected their children, their children, their children, onto you, etc. You come into the debts of your ancestors and how they have passed on those debts to you. Where you might be paying something off, and you don't even know that that's the thing that you're working for, or you come into privilege, you come into inheritance, and then you are, um, you know, acting out of a blind spot because you don't realize how lucky you are. And maybe at some point, someone's really pissed off at you because you have something that they don't, you know. And and the things that we come into, they are so far beyond and and beneath our conscious thought processes. And so in this full moon, in the opposition to Venus retrograde, this is part of what needs to be unearthed. What is the value system that is at work? Venus as the ruler of Taurus speaks to values and value systems. Venus is going to retrograde back into the late degrees of Libra. And then we're understanding a little bit uh, about agreements we've made and contracts we've signed that... um, Proceed and also form our value systems. So over the course of the next couple weeks, personally, this might be coming up for many of you. What are your value systems? What have you invested in? Where are you coming from? What's actually important to you? But also, where do they come from? What are they rooting in? thinking about Scorpio and and how it rules swamp water, you know, in like a, a lily pad or something where its roots are deep in the muck. And this is often a, um, uh, like a, a symbol or an image that especially yoga people like to talk about. It's like, oh, your, your crown chakra, your head, it's this, you know, thousand petaled lotus, all of your awareness, but then, oh, your roots are going down into the muck and into the mud. And both are true. You know, you, you come from this place and then you can open to something. But what you're opening to is directly related to where you're coming from. So over the course of these next couple of weeks, as we work with the rest of this retrograde cycle, which uh, extends through November 16th, um, ask yourself, you know, where, where are your values rooted and how do you see your values reflected in the outer world? Because we're we're all part of the stuff that's happening right now. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to my fellow Americans and um, say that, you know, 23 cents of every dollar that we pay in taxes goes to our military. And that equals out to about um, $1,600 per year on average that a household uh, gives to, to the military. And... At the same time, so we have uh, the most spending of all developed nations on military. And then at the same time, we have the lowest uh, of all advanced economies, um, the lowest corporate tax of all advanced economies uh, compared to the size of, of our economy. So we spend the most on our military and we require the least from our corporations. And many of our corporations are directly related to, if not the same as the military. So something to think about in terms of values and how we're working with a value as individuals, that this is not just like, um, you know, okay, well, what do I think is important? Oh, I think it's important to have a garden. It's, it's not necessarily that. It's like, what are the values that are underlying why it would be important to have a garden? To get dependency off of uh, big agriculture right, to start to upset the power dynamics, take your money out of these systems. Um, I don't know a lot about tax law or, uh, you know, tax, um, uh, whatever that's called, refusal to pay taxes, but I'm curious about it. So if any of you listeners have thought about like, how do we dismantle the like corporate hegemony and weird social control that (laughs) is so invested in capitalism? How can we get out of putting our tax money into the military? maybe move our tax money towards things that we actually value, like healthcare, education, Um, I'd love to hear from you. So if you have wisdom to share about this and things that you're working on, um, disruptive currencies or different kinds of of models, um, shoot me an email and uh, let me know. Um, uh, that was a, a little bit of a digression or a diversion. Um, but I do want to say that, you know, with Venus um, moving backwards through Scorpio, there's there's a need to reflect on values. There's a need to de-invest. Scorpio is a sign of investment. Um, So there's a need to de-invest and reverse or review the ways that you have been investing, that you've been giving your power to things. And that includes finances a lot. It also includes your attention. It includes your sovereignty as an autonomous individual, as someone who is sexual, who has power. What are you giving power to? This uh, aspect, Venus at four degrees Scorpio, is in sextile to Saturn in Capricorn, and uh, Saturn is receiving a trine from the Moon. And this speaks to the changes that we're making have um, long-lasting implications. So we want to be conscious about what kinds of changes we're making. We want to do them with a sense of um, sobriety and rationale this isn't necessarily a time to fly off the handle although Uranian energy can feel like that it can feel very urgent but saturn is saying okay let's think about this how can we be the most effective in uh, the most sustainable ways what kind of changes do you really want to make think about it for a while prototype it a little bit <laughs> try it out understand the possible consequences of your actions and then make your decisions so if you're feeling this full moon energy and you're listening to me and you're like oh my god i'm going to pull all my money out of the bank like start a garden put it in my mattress disrupt this i feel like that but (laughs) there's also a need to um convene together to share information to think about what we're doing in terms of long-term effect to make um judicious judicious choices um not only for our own welfare but for everyone's welfare and then to to move forwards um why am i saying not only for your welfare but for everyone's welfare other than being um you know, uh, a self-described socialist. Well, the full moon is exactly an angle of the nodal axis, so we have the north node at one degree of Leo and the south node at one degree of Aquarius. Leo and Aquarius are the other fixed signs and in the, the what's called the fixed cross of the zodiac, Taurus and Scorpio hold the yin axis, the uh, earth-water polarity, and Leo-Aquarius hold the yang axis, the fire-air polarity. So all of these signs are really activated in this full moon the full moon itself, always activating, it's an opposition, the full moon conjunct Uranus, really activating, um, lots of change that's in the work, kind of an upsetting feeling or a potentially chaotic feeling. And then the nodal axis, and the nodal axis, uh, this is a place of harmony and Excuse me, of karma and uh, destiny, and the way that karma uh, regenerates and evolves or revolves through cycles. Over the last two and a half years or so, the nodal axis has been transiting through Leo Aquarius. It's about to move into Cancer Capricorn. In the last two and a half years, we've had a lot of displays of Leo Aquarius in um, global rulership. And this is not just the United States. The Donald Trump is an amazing example of uh, the Leo Aquarius um, uh, polarity. So Leo Aquarius describes charismatic leaders and their audiences. That's one way to think about it. Leo is an energy that's very performative and expressive and gregarious and big. And Aquarius is uh, the, the commons. The people, the undifferentiated social groups that are responding to the leader, that are either uh, you know p- pushing on the individual to conform, or responding to the leader and becoming conformists. And Leo Aquarius works this way, where Leo, uh, as an energy, in its best sense, encourages authentic, heartfelt. Um, personal expression. So Leo's commonly associated with artists and performers, and it rules the heart and the spine. Uh, it wants us to be in our uniqueness and our specialness and to really um, celebrate that. But if we think we're the only one that's unique and special, then Leo gets into its wretchedness, which is um, this kind of like dominating energy and uh, narcissist energy. How does Leo avoid getting into that rut? Well, it balances with Aquarius. And Aquarius, again, it's the sign of the social group. And uh, when the Leo energy of uniqueness and specialness recognizes that it's part of a community, that's Aquarius, then um, it can put its uniqueness and specialness in service to the community. And the community can support the uniqueness and specialness, but it can't be the only thing. So the community has to have lots of people who do lots of different things. And all of those things are valuable in order for everything to, to get along, right? Like no one person has all the answers. As much as Donald Trump thinks that he is, you know, the most intelligent person to ever walk the face of the earth, we know that uh, uh, he really only has a very small perspective, right? So Again, Donald Trump is not the only example. If you look around the world right now, we have several um, gregarious and charismatic and domineering leaders. And we have a lot of issues that are coming up between um, leaders and the people. And I definitely talked about this uh, during the Leo New Moon and Aquarius Full Moon podcast. So if you want to listen back to those, Um, I also talked about this uh, in the last New Moon podcast with with Libra and Aries, because these um, issues come up there as well. How do we balance the individual and the relationships? The balance between personal expression and entitlement is a really important balance to, to take into account. You know, where do we feel like we have the right to express ourselves, where the things that what, what we're expressing is somehow valuable Um, And and when are we listening and when we're responding to the group and when are we allowing other people to take space? These are really big themes that are coming through in the last two and a half years or so. One of the best things I think that's come out of the Trump era, at least in the United States, I can't speak to anywhere else, but here um, it's been pretty amazing to see this person come into power who really epitomizes white supremacy and male supremacy, especially. And while his uh, ascent to power definitely empowers and invigorates white supremacists and misogynists, it also is stimulating dialogue and reflection um, for a lot of people on what these systems are and how they work. And when it comes to taking space and sharing space, Uh, I can say that, you know, this has been a really big message that has come through that for a lot of people, they're recognizing where they can move back, where they can hold periphery, where they can allow other voices to come forward. And whether those voices are women's voices or black voices or migrant voices or voices of trans people or voices of people with disabilities, it's there's a lot of awareness around who has had the microphone the most and for the longest time. And definitely a concentrated effort, not on everybody's part, but on a lot of people's part to, to move back and to hold the periphery. Now, this isn't easy, and this isn't always done gracefully, and it's not always done correctly. And I can speak for myself in this as someone who does hold uh, privilege through an, uh, a body that can perform a, a lot of physical tasks. I don't work with a physical disability. I also have white skin. So I have a lot of privilege that's been given to me. And when I have uh, you know, tried to, to move back and hold the periphery and amplify other people's voices, sometimes I do that really well. And other times I really mess up with it because I um, lead from my own assumptions about how that should be or, or what I should do there. And I'm so grateful to have really wonderful friends who can um, give me perspective and say, it's OK, Renee, Like people mess up, keep on going. Um, but I, I want to share that here. In that as we make these changes and as we um, kind of work with what I would say is is the potential of all this energy right now, it's not going to be done perfectly, but the things that are arising are giving us all an opportunity to see where we can be part of a shift. And so the squares or the um, stimulation that the nodal axis is getting from this full moon in some ways it's putting a cap on the last two and a half years and it's going what have you learned what have you learned about your own relationship to specialness to uniqueness to having a voice to holding a voice what have you learned about how you function in the collective and how you're part of a group and how you hold container or how you support other people to be special and unique and heard And these are big questions that that come through with the full moon and that are directly related to systems of value and the way that we accumulate and consume and hold resource, right? So Scorpio, Taurus, Leo, Aquarius. How are you holding space? How are you holding space for yourself, for other people? How are you holding resource for yourself, for other people, what are the value systems that underlie how you hold space and hold resource and how you consume, etc.? For me, this is, is kind of the main uh, questions and issues that are coming through with the full moon, and the places where I personally feel really called to, to spend some time exploring. Um, because Venus is retrograde for the, for the next couple of weeks, um, even through the next new moon, there's quite a bit of emphasis on reflection right now and i really want to stress that both venus and uranus are retrograde and there's a lot of urgency in this moment in the full moon chart there's a lot of stimulation there's a lot of agitation but the way forward is not yet clear it's really not yet clear. We have to dig into some pretty important and deep issues. We have to understand these underlying or root causes. We have to get radical. We have to pull it up from the root. <laughs> you know, look at what's down there, um, clean it out. Before you clean it out, you got to smell it for a while. I mean, it's gross. It's, all of us are sitting on some uh, kind of gross conditioning. And so, The next couple weeks, this stuff will be up. I just want to say this stuff will be up. As we move towards the new moon in Scorpio, which is um, November 7th, we have a, a quarter square in Leo. Um, that is it perfects actually on Halloween it's great aspect for Halloween uh, if you're dressing up or if you're getting out to party Um, but it, it is a growing kind of intensity and push to express and to like say what's on your mind or to you know whatever like expose something and I want to encourage everybody including myself to take deep breaths and practice Mindfulness to like look around and do the kind of basic meditation, which is I'm inhaling, I'm exhaling. There's light, there's shadow, there's sound. In any moment of meditation, usually like not that much is happening. Most of the activity is in your mind. So to take your time out to to pause and to feel that because there's so much energy, there's so much energy in the astrology, there's so much energy in the collective and the news cycles, etc. Um, as we get into the new moon, um, Jupiter is is finishing up its its transit through Pisces. It doesn't uh, it doesn't finish until. Um, after the new moon, but it's finishing up its transit through Pisces. And so a lot of this Scorpio energy that Venus retrograde is digging up that Jupiter in in Scorpio has uh, pushed to the surface is just permeating our awareness. It's saturating our awareness right now. Um, On October 30th, Mercury will enter the next sign of Sagittarius. So we might have some more objectivity and ideas about all of this stuff and be able to make sense of it in a different way. But definitely for the next week, shit is is coming forwards it's being kind of expelled and pushed forwards and um, i just want to say be gentle with yourself try and take as much time as you possibly can especially when you're feeling really urgent and i i know that's hard it's really hard for me i imagine it's a challenge for a lot of people to chill (laughs) especially when it feels like now's the time to act Um, The last couple things I want to say before my time is up is that There's a lot going on right now, and um, I think there are some really beautiful metaphors that are coming through in the news. Um, I'm planning to do a special edition sometime in the next couple of months, particularly for people who were born um, between 1981 and 1994. Um, These people have uh, some particular aspects that are really going to get stimulated in the next uh, couple of years, and those aspects are now applying. So there's a a kind of growing urgency for many of us. I'm part of this generation um, where events that that happened in the 1980s are starting to come into a point of culmination or their next phase. And one of the ways that we're seeing this right now is is with this um, kind of myth that's being played out, like this story of mythic proportions 3000 people traveling from Honduras, Guatemala and El Salvador seeking asylum. And uh you know Trump kind of going off on his bandwagon about illegal immigrants and how dangerous they are, etc. um but you know most of these people are fleeing violence and this um this place in the world, which is considered one of the most violent places on earth, like these countries are consistently um, ranked among the most violent countries in the world. Um, this place is these places, excuse me, have been in upheaval since. Um, since the 1980s when there was a series of civil wars but really throughout the entire 20th century where they were places of US-backed interference and a lot of this interference has to do with actually agriculture And so as Uranus moves into Taurus and we're going to be experiencing shifts in land, um, I want to encourage everybody to learn a little bit more about how the United States and U.S. companies like Monsanto have really shaped our dominant paradigm through their interference with um, farmers and farming practices, and the way that seeds can be proliferated, and who has the right to grow things, um, because a lot of the violence in those countries is actually coming from uh, like neo-colonialism and the way that corporations uh, seek control in these places, and and the U.S. government is seeking control in these places. Um, and there's, you know, when I at least pay attention to any kind of mainstream news, there's absolutely no talk of this whatsoever. So I'm going to link an article in my blog post for this full moon that is really brief. It's really to the point and it has a pretty clear timeline of um, these issues that I'm talking about. So if you're interested in embodiedastrology.com, you can uh, find that article and you can start to do some of your own research. It it might be very informative for a lot of you um, as you're thinking about these issues and and thinking about ways to become more engaged in terms of an activist sense that, um, you know, it's not always about going out and protesting. Sometimes it's about saving seats or figuring out um, what it means to have like land sovereignty or or to work with um, like farmers cooperatives or something like this. Um, another piece of news that I just want to, um, kind of pull out as a point of interest that's also relating to this period in the eighties, um, is that, uh, Donald Trump is saying he's going to pull out of, um, what's called the INF. It's, it's the intermediate range nuclear forces treaty, and it's basically an agreement to stop producing, uh, certain kinds of weapons and nuclear weapons. And, um, I don't understand the complexity of, of all of this, uh, even at all. Um, But there's, you know, been violation on Russia's part. um, And they've been developing weapons and China's been developing weapons. And the minute that the US pulls out, basically, an arms race is on. And we haven't been in this spot since the 1980s, when uh, Reagan and I think it was Gorbachev signed this agreement, and things chilled out for a second. But nuclear war is really, terrifying and not anything that any of us want to go through, I'm sure. Uh, however, there's a huge amount of money in in arms and weapons and nuclear power for sure. Um, so I know that there's, there's a lot going on here that has to do with personal gain, um, but it is something to pay attention to and something that um, I think is being kind of pulled away from the headlines. It's a really huge and important piece of news and, uh, definitely something to keep track of. um, Because this is our future. This is the future of our planet. And there are so many nuclear weapons already. We definitely don't need more of them. We need to turn our attention towards um, denuclearization and figuring out what to do with the waste that has already been created, not creating more of it. So please pay attention to that little piece of news. Learn more about it than I know. Comment on the the blogs, inform everybody else, um, and uh, help us all Stay updated on how we can best approach um, these developments. So, I guess I'm going to, to pause there. Um, it's been a, a pretty intense um, couple of weeks for me personally, and then also just um, feeling the world. And I think a, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are quite sensitive. I would identify as a highly sensitive person myself. Um, and sometimes it's hard to to feel what's mine and what is going on in the world around me. And I think with this, this shift of Uranus and Taurus and what the full moon is bringing, what Venus retrograde is bringing... I feel my own sensitivity amplified uh, in this moment and a considerable amount of unclarity in terms of what's coming through me at some times, like I've been feeling um, the way that my my being is uh, kind of a result of generations of conditioning, right? And so when I was talking about inheritances and debts, that's kind of where I was coming from was recognizing how impulses move through me and they're impulses that are much bigger than my conscious mind and much bigger than anything I would ever seek to identify with or really um, want to admit that I identify with, but they come through me. And this um, has been having a pretty profound effect for me just kind of feeling this space and feeling um, a personal sense of unknowingness And what I keep coming back to is just how important it is to uh, be in a sensory place. And Taurus is the ruler of the sensate experience. So being in a sensory space, I can pay attention to the very subtle and what are usually unconscious responses of my body. And I feel these fluctuations. So when I'm starting to act from a place that's not me or that's this place of of inheritance or conditioning, I feel certain kinds of agitations or activations in my being. And a lot of what I fear, uh, what I feel is fear and fear responses or defensiveness kind of coming into me or offensiveness and um, that's the place that I'm coming from with the offering for this full moon meditation, which is dealing with um, dismantling <laughs> the attachments we have to fear, shame, insecurity, and um, oppression, really, and the ways that that we have inherited and embodied um, a lot of fear and shame and insecurity. And uh, I think for many of us that that these sensations are below the surface at any given moment and are constantly informing our ego structures. So we think that we're having our own thoughts, but they're really coming from somewhere else. Um, So if you have been going through your own processes of change, if you feel that you're trying to figure out how to take the next steps, um, how to work with letting go, it's a big theme in Scorpio season, how do we let go of what's old and what's ready to die? Um, then use the guided meditation and know that I'm always offering the meditations from the point of my own experience. So um, I'm right here with you in solidarity and deep love and appreciation for you working with me too. Um, Your audio horoscopes are available and you can find them on SoundCloud and iTunes and embodiedastrology.com and use the affirmations that go with the horoscopes. They're short little messages. You can print them out and look at them. You can reword them and modify them as you choose. Um, They're just messages to help you work with uh, the horoscope and work with the energy And then finally, I just want to say again that uh, Scorpio season has begun and I'm offering this planner. Um, So it's a four week or 30 day planner for Scorpio season, October 23rd through November 22nd. Um, and the the weeks are considered through lunar cycles, and uh, then I list planetary transits um, as they happen. So every week you'll get information about what place in the lunar cycle we're in, what important transits are happening, a little bit of my interpretation on what energy might be present or how to work with these with these transits and lunations, um, and that planner uh, works with. Uh, my Instagram um, where I'm posting expanded uh, interpretations of the planetary transits. So you can follow me there. Um, I-, I think it automate post to Twitter, which I haven't quite figured out how to use yet. Um, There's Facebook and of course, all of the SoundCloud um, materials, the podcasts and whatnot. So a lot of resources for you to be working with astrology. The planner is a gift to anyone who's a monthly subscriber. So if you would like to receive this gift, then please uh, donate any amount, $1, $3, dollars $500 a month uh, to embodied astrology, you support me to continue these projects. Um, And then you can also make a one time purchase of the planner if you're interested. So all of that is available for you. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. And for listening, I really hope that you uh, find value and use in these offerings. And I'm wishing you all the best in your full moon. And until the new moon, much love. Thanks again for listening. And bye for now.